how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Would you like to turn in your Bibles? We're going to look at the passage. Only about four or five verses this morning. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. And Debbie's going to bring the word in a second. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, Lord, thank you, Lord, for Debbie, Lord. Thank you for what she's unpacked, Lord. Help her, Lord, to deliver it, Lord, to us, Lord, uh, in a way that helps us grow more like you, Lord. In everything we do, we want to be like Jesus. Father, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to start this morning the words that I want to share with a song. Not, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. We can all sing it together if you know it. But you'll see that the title I've chosen for this passage, um, well, not necessarily for this passage, but certainly for what I want to share, are is this phrase borrowed from a Graham Kendrick song, for this I have Jesus. And I just want to encourage us, as the worship team play, you can sing along if you know it. Vicky might be able to find the words if they're in there. I don't know. If not, you can just listen to the words. But I want to encourage us this morning just to allow the Lord to take you on a little journey yourself, in your own heart, in your own relationship with Him, to release to Him the things from 2023 that need releasing, laying down, letting go of, and to come with an open heart, ready to receive what God has got for us in this coming year. And let's let this song and the words of this song help us to do that. Thanks, Ian. And Lord Jesus, we want to just thank you that that is true, (laughs) Lord. And whatever things, Lord, have been brought to our minds as we look back over this last year, the things that have been difficult, the things that we're still processing, the things that have been wonderful, the things that have been life-changing, Lord, thank you that you are with us right in the heart of it all. And Lord, we know this morning that you've got some things that you want to say to us 
as we go into 2024. Lord, you've got some words that you want to encourage us with, words that you want us to shape our lives around, Lord. Shape our hearts and our prayers and our priorities around. And Lord, I pray that right now, by your Spirit, Lord, you will show us that you are not just shouting instructions to us from a distance, but we have Jesus for every single one. You are right with us in all that you're asking us to do, to pray, to focus on and to walk forward into in this year. We thank you that we don't go alone. We thank you that we have Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray that whatever else lands with us this morning, we would walk out from this place knowing that we have Jesus and being encouraged in the strength and the good and the life of that. So Lord, help us now as we think about these words of scripture that we've shared together. Help us to know that for all of it, we have you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I chose this passage this morning for us because while everybody was enjoying, I don't know if you were enjoying it, but while we were gathering together throughout the month of November for our month of prayer and fasting, and I wasn't with you, I was with you in spirit, but I wasn't there in person. While we were praying in those ways together, I was praying at home as well. And these were some verses that the Lord really laid on my heart for the congregation here. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 7 to 11. And I'm not going to take hours and hours this morning, I'm sure you'll be pleased to know, trying to unpack them all fully. Actually, what I want to do is leave them with you. I will say a few words about them as far as I get until our time runs out. But I want you to take a hold of them in your own heart and spirit, because as the Lord put them on my heart... I knew, I felt, and it resonated with me that actually this was something that all of us as a congregation here in Ichthus Forest Hill, for those of you who are part of us generally, these are things that we can take hold of and walk into 2024 with. And I feel that that is actually very important that we know we have some words like that from the Lord to do that with. Because We feel, don't we, that these are quite uncertain times. I don't know if you feel that they're uncertain times. There are all kinds of things that explode onto our news screens all the time that sort of take us by surprise, hit us off centre, unbalance us. There are all kinds of things in our personal lives that do the same. And it would be easy to find ourselves just being buffeted around like, you know, an untethered boat on some stormy water, just being buffeted around by every wave of circumstance and the next thing that comes along and the next problem that presents itself. But actually in the midst of all of that, our Lord Jesus is calling us to walk in a more steady way with him. And he's given us some words, I believe. And of course, these are words that can apply to all of us at any time. But these words from 1 Peter 4, I think are particularly significant for us as a congregation here. They contain in them some thoughts, some particular activities, some particular ideas that as a congregation, I think we understand and we know a bit about and we've already been walking in. And the Lord is speaking to us and saying, I want you to take hold 
focus in and walk further and stronger and with more confidence into them as 2024 unfolds. So you can take these away and think about them a little bit more. But as I share, let's have that song. For this, I have Jesus at the heart of it all. Because like I was praying, God is not just shouting instructions at us from a distance. Some of us, our relationship with God feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Or we think it's like that. For some of us, we think that God's always telling us what we ought to be doing and how we ought to be doing it and where we've got it wrong and all the stumbles that we've taken and all the wrong turns and the mistakes. But that he's kind of doing that from a distance of watching what we're doing and analysing and criticising and critiquing it all the time. Perhaps like we do to one another a little bit. But actually, our God is not like that. Our God is not like that. He's not critiquing your life from a distance. He's never done that. He's interested in seeing your life fulfill its whole potential that he gave you when he put you together in your mother's womb, when he spoke over you in your mother's womb, the things that he wanted your life to be about, the things, the hopes and the dreams that he had for you, the ways that he knew you would contribute to his world and to his people when he was saying and thinking all of those things and putting you together, he was not just saying, okay, now you've got to go and do it. He came in the person of Jesus. That is what the Christmas message is all about. He came, he put on flesh and blood. He put on a human body and he lived it out with us on the earth for us, to show us for this and for everything. You have Jesus He is with you in it. So if there are things in the message this morning that you feel a tug in your spirit and you think, you know what, I think you are talking to me about this, Lord. You're laying this on my heart. You're telling me that this has not been a priority for me, but now it needs to be more so. Let's remember, for this, you have Jesus. He's with you to help you fulfill anything that you're feeling stirring in your spirit in these verses. So let's just take a look back at them for a moment. 1 Peter 4, 7, if you've got it in front of you. Because the first thing I want to mention is the opening words. It says, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Now, Peter was writing this 2,000 years ago. And we might feel, well, we're not at the end yet. (laughs) So what does he mean? The end of all things is near. Well, it wasn't very near. Or perhaps we don't feel it is. Maybe some of us in these last days, as we've seen all the kind of cataclysmic things that have been happening around the world in this past year, perhaps some of us have felt a sense that the end is near. Anybody been feeling like that? Lord, is this something to do with the last days? Is this the last times that we're in? But I don't think that these words are meant to make us make guesses about when is Jesus going to return and are we on the brink of that? Do we know if it's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or in four years time or whenever it might be? It's not our job to try and fix a date on that. That's not what these words are doing. 
But what these words are seeking to stir in us as they were for Peter, as they were for those early Christians that he was writing to, as they do the same today, as they resonate with the power of the Holy Spirit in them for us today. When he spoke out, the end of all things is near, he was reminding us that we are to be a people who live conscious that there actually is an end coming. (laughs) And not a dismal, dark, terrible kind of end. There may be some difficult things that are a part of it, but there is an end. There is a future. There is a culmination. There is a plan and a purpose that God is working towards and his purposes are continuing to work towards that end and they will not give up and they will not fail and they will not falter and they will not stumble. Jesus is coming back to this earth. He is, in that time, going to finally and fully put the devil under his feet. He is going to establish in all its fullness the beauty of his kingdom, the kingdom that is heavenly, the kingdom that exists in the heavenly realms, the kingdom that you and I from time to time get to taste and take hold of little bit by little bit when we reach out in faith, when we pray and we get an answer to prayer. We pull down handfuls of that kingdom into the here and now. But one day, says these scriptures, there is an end coming when the fullness of that kingdom will be experienced. And all the things that we know should not be part of this difficult and dark world that we live in will be utterly dry drawn out, expunged from that kingdom and only the beauty of Jesus and who he is will remain. And only the beauty of Jesus and who he is in us and in our lives and in the things that we've built with our lives will remain. And that's the sobering bit, isn't it? The end of all things is near. Let's feel it. Let's feel that sense that we're moving towards God's destiny. And we can either move in step with it and usher it in and bring it about with the effort of our lives. Or we can kind of be taken by surprise as things come to the conclusion that God has for them. Let's live with that expectancy And the knowledge that whatever is shaking the world out there, our pathway is clear and sure. We keep walking it out like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. If you're ever praying and asking the question, Lord, what do I do in these times? How do I live? What is my purpose? Who am I? What's my identity? The answer is it looks like Jesus. Keep walking out in those footsteps because there's an end and it's coming. And so these things that that Peter then goes on to write about in these verses, these are things that we can take hold of and push to the forefront of our lives as we enter into a new year. It's a good time, isn't it, for a reset Um, when we come to a new year. We can think about what our lives have been centred and revolving around and we can realign them if they've gone off track or gone off course a little bit. And the first thing I want to mention is in verse 7. Prayer. So I want to say, for prayer in 2024, I have Jesus. So 
Peter is calling us. He says, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And those words, that idea of sound judgment, sober spirit, it's a kind of a context of um, a watchman or a watcher (laughs) um, out on the walls having a look, um, seeing if there are any enemies on the horizon, seeing what's going on, keeping watch on the lie of the land, what's going to happen next. There is a sense of watching and alertness about those words. In other words, keep your head in the game. That's what I want to say to us. Sober judgment, alertness. Keep your head in the game. Keep your head in the right place. Get your mind and your brain and your thinking and your thought life in gear for the purposes of prayer in 2024. Because if our heads are all over the place and if our minds are shaken and rocked by every next thing that's coming, the things that um, explode on our news screens, the things that happen in our lives. If we are all the time allowing our minds to just get completely taken over and thrown into panic mode, thrown into trauma mode, thrown into what am I going to do next mode, we lose the track of prayer. We lose the fact that in everything, and Shirley was praying into this a bit when she was praying about seeing more breakthrough in healing coming in this coming year. I pray that we will see more breakthrough of those kinds of miracles that we know the Lord is doing, has done and still wants to do. I think it's to do with where our heads go when the crisis comes, you know. And here Peter is saying to us, Be sober, keep your head in gear, watch and be careful and alert and then you will know how to pray. Then you will be able, when the trouble comes, to turn to your heavenly Father and call upon him for his grace, for his help, for his perspective, for his thoughts, for his guidance, for his stabilising on the way through. And we see Jesus doing just that, don't we, in the Garden of Gethsemane. We have his example. He's walked this road. Jesus was about to go to the cross. There's any number of places that his mind could have been in as he went into that garden. Any number of things that could have caught up his thinking and spiralled them off in different directions. But instead, He came to the garden. He took his friends with him. And he said, come with me. We need to pray. We need to talk to Father about this. This difficult road is ahead. We need to talk to Father. We need to pray. His friends let him down, sadly. They weren't in the zone. Their heads weren't in gear. In fact, that's pretty much the words Jesus says to them. Watch, keep watch and pray saying the same thing that Peter's saying here. But we can be, as we enter into 2024, we can be the kinds of people that know how to turn right straight to Father, bring our friends together when stuff happens and when it doesn't, that we keep sober and in the zone so that we can pray. Secondly, actually before we move on, I wanted to... share, I'm always quoting this quote 
but caught my eye in my notes, so I'll quote it again. From E.M. Bounds, a great writer on prayer from the last century, but he said, the more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil everywhere. Shall I read it again? Simple but true. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil everywhere. If we want to see more of God's hand moving, if we want to see more of his purposes accomplished in this earth, we must be a people of prayer. That is what he's calling us to. So let's get our heads in gear for it. Secondly, for love. For love, I have Jesus. What does Peter say in verse 8? Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Above all. I love that because he has started his list and he said, therefore, be ready to pray. (laughs) And then it's like he remembers, hang on a minute, even all of that is meaningless. I need to put this one to the top of the list. Above all, love. And keep love fervent. Keep fervent in your love for one another as the body of Christ. Love matters. Love is preeminent. It's the kind of thing that we say, and maybe the world has got all kinds of nice kind of candy cane versions of what that might mean and what that might look like when we say God is love and that love is the greatest thing and that love never fails and so on. We might have all kinds of definitions of that, But at the end of the day, people of God, until we let that truth get to the very core of who we are, we are not walking in the footsteps of Jesus. The truth is love, his kind of love is the greatest power in this universe. It is the very definition of the God that we worship. And we've got to let it get inside of our hearts deeper to a deeper kind of place. Because Jesus shows us how to love one another. And especially in the church of God. Yes, we've got to love our neighbours. Yes, we've got to love our enemies. All of those things. But we've got to get it right in here too. In this space. Love one another. And keep fervent in it. That means we have to keep stirring it up. Because do you know what? People are really annoying sometimes. (laughs) And really difficult. And I say that and maybe it sounds glib. But truthfully we can really hurt one another we can damage one another we can get in one another's way we can cause one another to stumble even in our walk with the Lord we can we do but nevertheless says Peter Jesus has given us a way he's shown us a way of love that means we can get past that stuff and keep loving that we can repent and forgive, that we can confess and be released, that we can mend broken relationships, that we can move past friction, that we can move into a place where love springs up again like a fountain and starts to cover everything and wash away the difficulties and the offences. We've got to let love be right at the heart of our gathering here. And some of us are newer, and some of us have been around a longer time. 
But in all of it, we want to ask Jesus to put his love in our hearts. And what I love about this verse in Peter is it says, when it says keep fervent in your love, literally that word is to do with being outstretched. So literally the word says, be outstretched in your love for one another. And for me, that just conjures up an image of how we can be in the church of God, in the household of God, can't it? That we are reaching towards, that we are always moving outwards, that we are taking steps towards one another rather than hiding away, closing off, shutting down, pulling away. We do that when we're finding things difficult. We do that. We isolate ourselves. We pull away. But here, Peter is saying, no, step forward and reach out in love for one another. Be active and conscious and deliberate in stirring up your love for one another in the body. Think about how you're going to express that love for other people. Because as we stretch out in love, another way of seeing that is that the love itself is outstretched. It's stretched out like a huge canopy over us. And perhaps that's why Peter goes on to say, maybe that was the image in his mind, because he goes on to say, because love, that kind of love, stretched out love, covers a multitude of sins. In other words, the things that give the enemy opportunity, the sin and the brokenness that gives the enemy opportunity to get in and cause problems and wreak his havoc amongst us, those things are covered by the outstretched, fervent love of God's people for one another. Do you believe that? That there is a protection under that space where offences can slide off quickly and easily because of the stretched out covering of love. And there's not a space for that root of bitterness to get in and grow up and cause all of its ugly poison as it does. And as we see so often in churches, in families, in lives, in relationships all over the place. The enemy's looking all the time, isn't he? To sow his bitter roots because that stuff spews out poison and just destroys people. And we just don't want that amongst us. We don't want that root of bitterness. We don't want the ugly poison of the enemy. So we stir up our love and we stretch out with our love and we do it when it feels like a stretch and it feels hard. We do that towards one another because love covers a multitude of sins and brings a place of protection and provision and safety in the body of Christ as it's meant to be. And I love the fact that Jesus, when he's feeding the 5,000, this picture almost shows him stretching out. I don't know if it's him actually. It might be one of his disciples in that showing. I don't know. But stretching out with this love, this food, this provision. In that story, we're told that Jesus was dealing with his own private grief before the 5,000 come to him. He's dealing with the loss of his cousin, John the Baptist, a traumatic death that he has experienced, a beheading, a sudden and unexpected tragedy for all of the people who were looking to God. And Jesus himself carrying that very deeply because he was his friend. He was the man who baptised him. He was a spiritual co-worker. He was a cousin of his, a family member who'd been lost in that way. And he's grieving. And the Bible tells us that the crowds come to him 
and he looks out and he feels compassion and he reaches out and he loves (laughs) and he provides and he feeds even from that place of his own pain and hurt Jesus found that he could keep fervent in his love for people that he could keep on reaching out and blessing and I think in 2024 we need to be a people who can do that too who can reach out to one another with love third thing It flows on from the last one. But in verse 9, Peter says, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. So I want to say to us as a congregation this year, for 2024, for hospitality, we have Jesus. Some of us find that easy and have all sorts of ideas about what hospitality means. And others others of us think, that's just not me. I can't do that. That's not me. And have all sorts of ideas about what it means. But I want to encourage us, actually, this is something so important for the body of Christ, for the people of God. Hospitality. And what do we mean by that? I don't think that primarily, well in fact I know for a fact that primarily in Peter's mind, I don't think he's thinking about people who've got lovely big homes with really nice spacious room and loads of sofas so that you can have loads of people in and people who are amazing at cooking who can do a really brilliant job in the kitchen and then serve all sorts of fantastic food to everybody and people who've got just like you know the perfect show home and lots of money to be able to do that with and to be make a really good impression or I think in our culture here, we think about hospitality in those kinds of ways very often. And you know what? What I love about this is for hospitality, people of God, we have Jesus. And let me remind you that Jesus didn't even have his own home for the years of his ministry. And yet he was the perfect and most wonderful host because Hospitality is about creating space for people to come together and deepen relationship and grow together and learn together. And Jesus was a master of that. He didn't have his own home. We don't know that he was an amazing cook. The kind of things that we know are that he was creative about his hospitality. Think about the last story, the feeding of the 5,000. That was, in essence, a bring your own picnic And most people didn't bring their own, right? So there was a problem. And what did Jesus do? He prayed about it and it was solved. Now, I reckon that is the kind of level of hospitality that every single one of us can do, no? Let's all rock up to Mayor Park, bring your own picnic. And if you didn't bring your own, we'll sort it out. We'll talk to God and we'll make it work. You see what I mean? It doesn't have to be an amazing experience with the table laid beautifully. It's wonderful if it can be that. But that's not the point. The point was Jesus was making spaces for people to gather, to sit down. We're told they sat in groups of 50 and they shared life together. And they were taught and they were learning and they were receiving from Jesus' teaching in that space. Conversations were being had in that space that were changing lives. Because did you know that not every life-changing thing that gets said happens from a pulpit or in a sermon? Did you know that? 
It happens around the table. It happens when you're sharing your sandwich with your friend in the park. It happens when you go for a coffee at Costa with somebody. This is hospitality. This is what it means, creating those times and moments. And Jesus was a master of it. This example I love, he cooked up a barbecue on the beach from the fish that the fishermen had been working for in the night. He brought his disciples into that space. And think about the powerful conversations that happened in that time. Because they sat and had breakfast on the beach, Jesus could say to Peter, Peter, let's deal with all that guilt that you're carrying from betraying me. Let's deal with it now. Let's get rid of it. Let's move on from it. Huge A huge moment for that man's future and ministry as he went on to found the church, the early church, in the power of God's spirit. It happened around a hospitable space, just a fire on a beach, some fish cooking. Other times Jesus borrowed friends' rooms. What about the meal in the upper room, the Last Supper? You know, this great Christian tradition with paintings in important places of it. This huge moment where Jesus shows us the bread and the wine. Well, he was the host of that meal, but he borrowed somebody else's house to do it in. (laughs) They didn't have any proper servants or slaves around, so he did the washing of the feet. We do it how we do it, but we make space because profound things happen in these moments. And I believe the Lord wants us to be together in those spaces more in this coming year so that there can be that kind of life and love and deepening. Verse 10, gifts. Peter says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one has got some grace from God to bring something to the body, a gift. And our job in 2024 is to catch hold of that grace that God has given us and do it. Not because somebody gave us a title, not because somebody put us on a team. Sometimes those things happen. Not because we sign up to be on this team or that team or that group or this group. Just forget about all of that stuff. Look where the grace of God is on your life and do it. Bring that gift. Because why? It says, because in doing that, we express what Peter calls the manifold grace of God, the multicoloured, the variegated, the diverse and different and distinctive, um, but beautiful patterns of harmony coming together, grace of God. And if we think that church is only about three gifts, like, you know, a preaching gift, a worshipping gift, and I don't know, maybe the tea and coffee gift. We all think that's really important. If we think it's only those ones and we only bother about those ones, then we are utterly failing in being who God has called us to be as the people of God. We each bring something beautiful into this mix. It might be something that other people don't even notice or recognise very much, but you know what? That doesn't matter. It's God who we're seeking to please. At the end of the day, it's lovely when other people notice what you bring, But actually, primarily people of God, I don't know about you, but I certainly want to be part of a church that cares 
most about being what God has called us to be. I want to be that. And I don't mind so much if that's not the kind of church that gets on the news programs or that gets on, you know, CBN or whatever it might be, TBN, whatever it might be. It, it doesn't matter. The point is, what is God pleased with? I know Peter tells us it's when the manifold difference of every single person doing their bit and bringing their thing is functioning together. That is the beauty of God being expressed amongst his people. And you know, there's that, that word there that says, <clears throat> serving one another as good stewards of the grace of God. Good stewards is literally beautiful householders. And when I look around this room, I see a lot of beautiful householders. <laughs> you know, people who make the house of God better and more beautiful when we, when we come into it together. And I was thinking about this because I think we do get a bit hung up on what team we're on or what title we carry. And those things are important in different spheres. But for this, to express the beauty of God, they're not very important. And I was thinking, I'm going to just pick on some people now, but I was thinking about various people. I thought about Cheryl. She was one of the first people who jumped into my mind when I was thinking about this. And she did it this morning. But I was thinking, you know what? Cheryl, she's not a member of the worship team. How are you, Cheryl? She's not a worship leader. No one's called you that. She's not got a job. But I tell you what, when Cheryl gets into the house of God and the spirit moves her and she picks up one of her banners and she starts to wave and I can hear her praying. Often she's interceding. I can hear the prayers coming in the gift of tongues that God has given her and I can hear her. She moves around and she's worshipping God. She's not doing it so we look at her. But when, we do, when she does that, the level of worship in this place, it goes up, no? A few notches. Who else has noticed? Lots of us. Because she's just doing her thing, you know? I'm not meaning to belittle that. I mean it. It's precious. It's beautiful. She's being with the grace of God on her life, Cheryl, and bringing some beautiful stuff. And it's, it's like worship leading, but not because it's a title or a main thing at the front. And you know, there's other people I thought about. I thought about Hannah at the back there. I thought about the fact that whenever Hannah is on setup with her house group, she always comes at the end of church with a cup of tea for me and puts it into my hand. And it doesn't matter what I am doing. It doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of some really intense prayer with somebody or having a conversation that looks highly uninterruptible. But I love that she comes in because she, in her heart, she wants, I know, she wants to bless me and me not miss out on that cup of tea, which I might be needing at the end of a meeting. I know that's what's in her heart. And she does it every time. And sometimes when she's not on setup, she does that. And lots of others of you do too as well, I know. But it's something that I've noticed and been so blessed by. It's the beautiful householders doing their beautiful thing. And there's so many other people that I could mention. I had lots of different examples, but you can think of them too. It doesn't need a title. It just needs the grace of God stirring you. And then you bring it. And that's what we need to be doing in 2024. Because we're all different. Jesus called a big bunch of disciples. Some of them we hardly ever hear about in the Gospels. But they were there. They were bringing their thing. They mattered. They must have mattered because it took Jesus a whole night on a mountain talking to Father about who he should choose. 
And God told him who he should choose. It was deliberate. It mattered. The mix of them mattered. Each one of them mattered. Whether or not we have pages and pages about them and all the stuff that they did. Last couple of things as we close. And I won't spend long on them because you can think about them for yourselves. Peter talks about prophecy or prophetic speaking. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. I believe that the Lord wants to stir up in us as a congregation a sharper understanding of prophecy, how to hear from God and how to speak forth what he gives us. I think he's already been taking us on a journey in that direction. I think there is more for us to learn and do. And what I like about what Peter is saying here is he's saying our words in church life, they matter. Now, of course, he's talking perhaps primarily about people sharing publicly. Whoever speaks is to do so as speaking the utterances of God. But also it flows out into every bit of speaking that happens in the body of Christ. We should think about it because Jesus' words carry spirit and life, we're told. Jesus' words could raise people from the dead. Jesus' words spoken could bring healing to people's bodies. There was power and life in his words. And, you know, we can carry those kind of words with us if we're conscious of it. If we're thinking, you know what, the Lord's listening to me right now and the things that I'm saying. Perhaps sometimes our speaking in church is not very weighty, not very life-giving, because we've forgotten that God's actually here on the ground with us, listening and looking at our hearts as we say it. He's with us, so it matters what we say. And as we grow in that kind of prophetic speaking, I believe the Lord is going to show us more clearly what he wants from us. And I did want to say at this point that during that month of November, maybe there were dreams or words or visions or pictures or scriptures that God put on your heart that you felt were significant during that month of prayer and fasting. If so, please don't lose them. Write them down, send them, give them in, share them with me, with us from prayer planning because we want to grab hold of what he's saying. Verse 11 going on, for strength, I have Jesus. I like this phrase. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. The strength which God supplies. I want to encourage us in this congregation in 2024 not to serve in your own strength or the strength that you've got, or the abilities that you've got, or the power of the, um, or the capacity that you feel you have, but to look for what God supplies. Because that is different. And that flows. <laughs> and it doesn't run out. <laughs> and it doesn't burn out. And we don't want to be a people that burn out. And I think people burn out usually because they're not really serving from the strength God supplies. Sometimes we try and do stuff out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of expectation, out of a sense of legalism, out of a sense of whatever we've carried from our own 
um, history and experiences, all kinds of other things actually shape what we think we ought to be doing and how we think we ought to be serving. But that's not the voice of Jesus. He supplies the strength for the things that he wants us to do. And if we can just hear that from him, we will flow in that strength much more beautifully. When it says the strength that God supplies, you know, that word is about God being the leader of a dance. (laughs) It's the verb choregeo, like choreograph. The strength that God supplies is the strength that God, the leader of the dance himself, is moving in. And he's moving around, you know, or like the caller in a barn dance, whatever, telling us the moves. And we flow with those moves. And when we do, we all kind of move together well. And and there's an energy and a strength and a harmony about it. When we're all just doing what we think we ought to be doing, we tread on each other's toes and it goes wrong and it's not so very beautiful. But there is a strength that God supplies by doing the dance amongst us, showing us and walking it out in the flow of who he is. And we can live and serve in that strength. And I'm going to finish with this. For glory, I have Jesus. And I just love the way that Peter finishes this passage with this prayer. It suddenly turns into a prayer. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It becomes a prayer that there is glory flowing to God through our activity as his body together. And that's the prayer that I want to finish with this morning for us as a congregation. So maybe you'll join with me as I pray for us. And as I do, maybe there's just one of those things you know the Lord was touching, putting his finger on. There's some way that you know you want to reprioritize this coming year. You want to put something else front and center. Just have a think about that for a moment. We've talked about being a prayerful, a loving, a hospitable a gift-using, a prophetic, a strong, and a glory-giving people. Which is it that the Lord is particularly putting on your heart? Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you will lead us into this year with a fresh sense of purpose and direction and focus. I pray that you will help us to order our lives to make room for these things that you've been showing us. To make more room for them where they're already functioning and flowing. More room for those things. Show us where we need to rearrange things so that there is space to walk in them. And Lord Jesus, as we do that together this year, I do believe that more and more of your glory will shine forth from this place. More glory to you, more glory to Father, more glory that shines forth into this world to point others in your direction, to show others the way, 
to salvation. More glory, Lord Jesus, flowing from this church, we pray. Thank you, we don't do it by ourselves, but we have Jesus to help us in it all. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living